She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Here. That's that's my point. Me being psycho about food, that would be the first time anyone has ever My point is that. it is it the person who cuts on the other side of the cake that doesn't even care? Or is it the person that cares about what side of the cake you cut on who's crazy? know exactly what you're talking about and it's almost this unconscious drive where like a rational like the better side of you is like no don't do that that's not a good idea yeah. this is silly and the other part is just like i'm gonna fucking do that exactly <laughs> <laughs> you're actually really gifted at giving space to your clients when they express similar things and for some reason <laughs> your wife that's just I can't do that that's too dangerous because I get to leave my clients after an hour <laughs> <laughs> well hello beautiful people and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast Hey there, good to see you. It's good to see you. We are happy to have you here today for an episode talking about our relationship and communication. Um, we right actually- before we started recording this, I uh, played the song Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin to get in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are talking about a pattern that we've noticed of how sometimes we get into those patterns of resisting what the other person's saying and then kind of the communication breaking down. Yeah. yeah, so we'd like to outline that because I think it's a very universal one. Yes. And it's one that when you recognize, uh, there are some strategies to kind of sidestep it or at least be aware of it. It'll save you a lot of energy, save you a lot of time. It could prevent a lot of damage from being done. Uh, totally. And uh, as a companion to this episode, we have also released a video over on Patreon where we discuss the same topic but with more context. Where it's we're a bit more granular. To, we're able to discuss more personal topics. We don't give a lot of details in this episode because this is public and we're talking about really private stuff. But over on Patreon, patreon.com slash couple. We can be a lot more personal. So this is where we're going to get into the real good stuff. Yeah, you give us a couple buckaroos and we'll just open right up. (laughs) You can support us as low as the $3 level and you'll get access to all the goodies that we have over there. So uh, Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, Julie Roxanne. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Or hi, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is for you. We're happy you're here. Yeah, we're happy to be here too. I think uh, maybe a little update. It's been a little while. It has been. I feel like it's been forever since we've talked, the two of us. I know we come out every week, but we've actually recorded a few episodes with people. So just the two of us, like a little awkward right now in our room by ourselves. How does this go? How does how how we talk? Again, I don't remember. <laughs> so we're warming up and maybe we should warm up with a little story about cake. Oh my God. This is actually going to be more of a poll. Like uh, I'm trying to understand something. If anyone is as deranged as Alistair or not. 
it, <laughs> I've gotten into the habit of baking cakes since we've been here, which is amazing. I have two specialties, a chocolate blueberry with raw cacao from the lake or lemon poppy seed and blueberry, which is another favorite. Which I don't know why we ever have lemon poppy seed and blueberry when, when the other option is chocolate cake. I don't, I, Alistair has a, yeah, that's just, that. that's, see, we're starting. This is starting. This is, we need variety. It's not the same. But anyways, I so it's a round cake. And whenever it comes out and I, I put it on a plate and it's ready to start serving, I cut a neat line in the middle. So then it's two halves. And then because I never know the size people are going to want, I don't like cut it. Plus, I don't want it to start drying because usually it's only the two of us. So I cut one slice on one half. And then Alistair... As the weird, like, I, I really don't understand. It boggles my mind that people would do this. He cuts his slice on the other half. Why don't you cut the rest of the, the same half? Let's just finish the half and then we'll move on to the other one. So she, Julie Roxanne got really upset about this last time <laughs> I did it. I, I had no... I See, let me ask you a question. Am I the crazy one for cutting off the other side of the cake? Or is she the crazy one for giving such a shit? Maybe she's a little psycho here. That's that's my point. Me being psycho about food, that would be the first time anyone has ever My point is it is it the person who cuts on the other side of the cake that doesn't even care? Or is it the person that cares about what side of the cake you cut on who's crazy? That's the question, people. We'll leave it to you to decide. No, that's not the question. My question is, how do you cut your cake? Like, am I the only one that has, like, an order of how you cut the cake? Because what happens when you do this is that at the end, there's no order, you know? There's, like, one half that looks like a, a munchkin and then another half, you know, it, it's there's no okay, order. Okay, so Julie Roxanne wants to know how you cut your cake. I want to know who's crazy here. <laughs> okay, so let us know. Let us know. Tag Please. us at Instagram at the Far Out Couple. Just uh, just comment on the post for this episode or tag us in your story. Shoot us an email. Whatever you have to do, just let me know that Julie Roxanne is a little nuts here. <laughs> you already know this. You don't need confirmation from people, do you? All right, all right. Well, before we get into the episode, we've got one other piece of housekeeping, yes. which is we owe a shout out to our good friend, Chris Silvestri. Woohoo! And why is that? Because he just became a Patreon. Yes. Patron, Patreon. A patron. A patron on Patreon. Patreon. Yes. 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 He's our newest Patreon member, patron. Yeah. And uh, he's a good friend of ours. He is Italian and he lives in the UK. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've known him uh, for a couple of years now. And he's actually coming with us on the Yosemite retreat this year. Yeah, That's new. That just happened. I'm pretty excited about that. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, thank you, Chris, thank for being you, a Chris. badass. Also, he just got a sweet ass tattoo. Yes. It's a yak, like a Tibetan. I don't know. It's like an Asian yak, like a threshold guardian that you'd see uh, in front of a temple. Uh-huh. And he got a massive tattoo of it like on his chest going kind of down to his sternum and going like up his throat yeah. even a little bit it looks dope super badass I love it uh, so <laughs> he's got a he's got a cool look going on thank you so much for supporting us and uh, we just always appreciate having you patron yeah thank you Chris really 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 appreciate it <laughs> So, Julie Roxanne, what are we talking about today? 
Well, today, my good friend, we are talking about. We thought. Oh, I don't. I don't know, man. It's been a while. I'm trying. I'm trying to find my like podcast persona. I'm like, where are you? It's, there's just an echo. Feels like we're carrying a bag of rocks here in the beginning. Like, oh. All right, go ahead. Um, so we are talking about. Actually, I think we wanted to spend a bit more of February trying to talk about our relationship because we noticed that this is a topic that like people enjoy listening about and um or at least they have a lot of interest in there's a yes. lot of curiosity about yes. about elements of our relationship and how we relate yeah so and and we do I feel like we do have a very different way to relate from most couples that I am able to witness in in my life and at least growing up too I feel like this is not what I usually saw in couples and we wanted to talk about a pattern that we have noticed kind of come up maybe it always has been present in our relationship but I think we've become more aware of it recently and it's a pattern of resistance in communications so like when one of us shares something and the other person will kind of not want to give space to it and and what happens when the resistance builds yeah so basically it's a pattern of not communicating mm. and it usually starts or recently it's been starting with you trying to bring something up that's emotionally really heavy yeah. or or charged. charged is a better word that's what i'm looking for and it kind of starts with you trying to bring something that you want to share. Yeah. And uh, me feeling the energy and just resisting it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it happens in an unconscious way. So it's a little hard to get at yeah. here. And it might be helpful to bring in kind of a, the most recent example of this to just to give some context. Because this actually, as we were preparing for this podcast... <laughs> We're preparing to do it. This has been happening a couple of times over December, January, a couple of like kind of big ones around yeah. really sensitive topics. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of like the things that, that this comes up around is like it comes up around uh, work, mm -hmm. comes up around like our future, yeah. the, the direction we're going, children, yeah. if we want to have children, depression. Like these are the like hairy topics, really heavy, or the uh, where this is happening. So, which does make a lot of sense that because they're so sensitive, it makes a lot of sense that there might be an energy of wanting to resist. Like I think uh, from my perspective, if I kind of empathize with you, because in this case, it's been oftentimes you having resistance toward me sharing something. I can understand why because they're so they're so loaded and they also influence the direction of our life and and our life together and i think it, it's a lot more it's a lot heavier if uh one of us feels shaky on something that someone feels really certain about or vice and vice versa so yeah we were preparing for this episode and i think we were we wanted to talk about something that happened over december and january but it was starting to get kind of faded in our memories just like old and thankfully the pattern showed up again two nights ago yeah erupted again <laughs> so um and so the the way it showed up was i think around like work and purpose again or like my like you were having a tough day yeah you, well, you were having funny. more than a tough day it was kind of a culmination and yes. this was kind of like the low point yes you, you were low on energy and uh 
I was low on energy. I think it was day three of my bleed. The full moon had just passed where I'm getting close to my birthday, which is February is always a weird time for me, people. It's I don't know why, but it's always intense. And apparently it was the transition between Pisces and Aquarius. The other or, way around. Or Aquarius and Pisces. Seasons, so, yes. Whatever. Yes. Well, yeah. well, okay. You see <laughs> Alistair's positioning on astrology. And so, yeah, so it was... It was not the best day to have any sort of conversation, which I want to recognize that because I thought about it when it was happening. I was like, well, I'm, I'm blaming or I'm angry because he's not, he's offering resistance to what I'm sharing and, um, I'm not feeling heard. But at the same time, I do have a knack to choose the wrongest time to bring things up like that so that like then it can kind of confirm my oh well no one ever listens to me kind of it's like two birds flying in the air and then they hit (laughs) and they go down in a spiral that's what happens that's what happened and you know it you know it you're like why are we talking about this right now like this is probably not the best time yeah And yet you can't, you, you can't, you can't really not, get out of the conversation. Yeah. And I think there's something else to mention here, which is like, it's not always about the content of what shows up. It's the energy yes. of the other person yes. that we're resisting. And so like you were not doing very well and you were sharing some doubts mm-hmm. and some anxieties and of, of where you're at. And it happens kind of subtly, but and actually, you know, it might be better to back up for a second because, like, I knew you weren't doing well all day, right? Like, it wasn't like this was a surprise at dinner, you know? <laughs> like, oh, Julie is all doing well. No, all day, like, it was getting it was getting worse. Like, some things had happened, you right? And and I'm trying to throughout the day, I'm starting to put on my what I call my Mister Fix It hat. And uh, so like, I'm cleaning the house, you know, I'm doing some cooking, the dishes, I even like, took the laundry out. Like, I'm I'm just trying to like, remove all the obstacles from Julie Roxanne's day. Uh So I, and what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to fix it. Yeah, I'm trying to make you feel better. I am trying to get rid of this energy or this mood. That's what's happening. And I'm falling into this persona more as the day goes on. And I think, and I think something that I notice about when this happens, and Mr. Fix-It is usually a pretty good indicator that this pattern is just around the corner. Yeah, that's Be- true. Because Mr. Fix-It goes about his day doing all these things, kind of sacrificing himself a little bit, being a little bit, you know, like, oh, well, it's for the best of the uh, for both of us. And then Julie Rock, this will help Julie Roxanne feel good. And Just, we're talking about making food, gathering the laundry that I hung up and that I did. And and what is the other thing you... I cleaned. It, it cleaned I cleaned for like, like, like an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I'm, are other small things. I'm dishes. not saying like this, I'm, this was not a way to like minimize what you were doing. I'm just, I always think it's funny that when women do this, it's no big deal. But when men do this, it's like this thing that we have to recognize just the, little side note. All I'm saying is that we kind of have our like divided chores or responsibilities, right? True. And this day I tried to do everything that, for you. Yes. That so was that you could focus. My chores. Yes. 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 So True. That, that's that's what was happening. And <laughs> so like as the day goes on, like I'm investing more, I'm putting more energy into this and I'm investing more energy into trying to change the way you're feeling. Yeah. Even though like not directly but through these things. Yeah. And it's not working. Yes. And so I'm losing energy. Like I'm getting drained. I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, right? That's mm-hmm. basically it. It's not that I shouldn't do these things. Yes. It's just that 
I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I'm expecting a result. And when it doesn't happen, I start to get frustrated and I start to get resentful and, and irritated. Yeah. And I double down yeah. on my strategy. <laughs> it's like, all right, that wasn't working. We need to get a little more direct here. Yes. We need to get a little more. And so. And, and the way that shows up is that I think, and I knew when I opened my mouth, I was like, Troy Roxanne, this is not the right time to, to just share about these things. You're tired. He's tired. It's not going to lead to anything. But there's a bigger force than me. It has to talk. And it also, there's also this fear of like, well, if I don't speak up now, then there's never going to be another opportunity to speak, you know? So like, I just, I seize the day and I, and I speak up now. And so I started sharing my doubts. I started sharing like things around work, things around. And, and what happens in this moment is I try to communicate a story or a view of reality or a feeling even. And actually, I, I do think it stems from a feeling. And then the feeling kind of creates these stories and these views of reality that are not true. They're, they are what they are. They're, they're stories and they're views of reality. See, they're this is not so clear to me. And this is part of the trap that I've fallen is that I'm not always so sure if the feeling comes first or the story, right? Like they're kind of, oh, they, feed on each they, other. they feed on each other, right? Sure. So it's like, it's kind of split. Like it's hard to really figure out. Yeah. But sometimes Mr. Fixes hears a, a bad story, right? Yeah. He hears, well, that's not really how it is. And if I just show you how it is, we can fix this whole thing. Yeah. And this is like part of the trap that ends up happening. Yeah. This is part of like the, the one of the first signs of resistance because it's not particularly angry. It's not particularly like overtly resistant, but you are just kind of like, oh, poor person she's seeing a, a reality that does not exist i'm going to take her over to the window so she can look at the reality that i know exists and there's some logical thinking here that's not very logical in the bigger picture but like in a in microcosm it, it makes sense which is like okay if you could just see what i'm seeing you're going to see that this isn't real and like yes. you're all right right yes. so there there is a nugget of like good intention here sure but it, it quickly gets uh, but I think what's storm. interesting with what you just said is like, that's exactly the same position I feel. It's like, well, if you could just see what I'm seeing, you wouldn't be trying to fix it right now. You'd be kind of like patting me on the back and saying like, I hear you. This sucks. I've been there and it's not going to last forever. But instead, there's this like energy of like, oh, no, I'm going to I'm going to show you what it looks yeah, like. It's believing that I can take you over to the proverbial window, yes. like open the blinds and show you the sun outside when really like it's an internal perspective and like any number of objective facts or spinning it. Or turning it around in a logical or mental way yeah. is useless here because it's not coming from that place and it's not helpful. In fact, it's the opposite of helpful. It is the opposite of helpful because like there's two things that happen when you do that. And I do notice it happening in me when it when you do it, which is the first one is, well, apparently he's not willing to hear what I'm saying, so I'm gonna have to speak louder. Or I'm going to have to be, you know, so it's like that, that feeling part of me that's like that side of me that feels like that story is true, that life is shitty, that I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, that like nothing that I do is leading to where I want to go kind of thing. That part of me really just wants to be heard. So if there's like a, a, a person that comes and, and says like, well, no, everything you're saying doesn't make any sense and you have no reason to be here. So please leave. 
well, if that person wants to be heard, what is what are they going to do? They're just going to scream louder or they're going to be a bit more aggressive in their way of speaking. Or they're going to find a way to try to convince you yes. that they're real. Yes. So like it, it becomes this battle between made up people, between parts of us that like if we just gave space wouldn't be a battle. Uh, so there's like that first aspect. So the feeling and the story wants to become louder and it wants to almost, I feel it inside of me, it wants to possess you. It wants to convince you as a whole, Alistair, because I've identified you as Mr. Fix-It, as that kind of part of you that wants to change my narrative when I'm not ready to change it. And and so it, it, it just wants to kind of like swallow you and brings you bring you down. So it becomes really conniving and dangerous at this point. And mind you, I I can witness it, but it's often very hard to not act from it yeah I, i've had the same i know exactly what you're talking about and it's almost this unconscious drive where like a rational like the better side of you is like no don't do that that's not a good idea yeah. this is silly <laughs> and the other part is just like i'm gonna fucking do that exactly <laughs> <laughs> and you do it it's like it happens as the other rational part of you saying like well maybe we should think about and then it's already it's yeah already it's out like almost outside of your control and i think it's, it's like useful. it's like trying to rationalize and say i don't need to vomit right now I don't, and then it's <laughs> over you know like <laughs> it's helpful to think of these as different people almost inside of you and like with different intentions right like, yes i think that it is helpful and it's also worth recognizing if you look at the drama triangle right yes yes which is uh who came up with it his name's uh i don't remember anyway i don't remember. it's the drum it's called a drama triangle it was conceived by a guy his name's steven something but i can't remember his last name and basically one side is hero one side is victim and one side is villain and like these are the three kind of archetypal roles that we we cycle through often very quickly yes when um when, when we're like triggered or yeah, activated or most of our life probably 99 percent of our of the time if we actually really pay attention to our actions we're always playing one of the three roles yeah it's kind of freaky yeah so as uh, Mr. Fix-It, he falls squarely into the hero. Yes. Uh, he needs to save someone. He's going to change things, help people, or whatever. So the hero seeks temporary relief. The victim just wants to uh, complain and, and like, pity, like, self-pity. And what I'm saying here is that to have a hero, the hero kind of creates a victim. Mm -hmm. Or it needs a victim yes. to be the hero, too. Yes. It needs someone that needs help. And so... This mixer, Mr. Fix-It personality almost creates its counter, which is the victim personality. And so you go from someone who's maybe having a tough day or struggling with some things. You change the nature of that relationship when you come out and try to fix it mm -hmm. into now they need help and they're a victim. And like this puts them in a different position. If it's and, very also disempowering yes. if, you, if and, you look and at it this way. I think we all know that when that happens to us. You yes. feel it and you're irritated by it. You're annoyed that people are doing that. You're, you're angry at them for doing that to you. Yeah, just a classic, a classic, very simple example. It's like, hey, how are you today? Uh, things are, things are not going great right now. I'm not in the best place. Like I'm going through a rough path. Oh, well, don't worry. It will soon be over. Just, I'm sure you'll get out of it. Fuck you. I just, I didn't <laughs> want you to, I know I'm going to get out of it. Like, don't put me in this like kind of condescending little place. So that's kind of an example that I think we've all yeah. experienced. And then, so you start to feel like the energy change and Completely. instead of like 
all of a sudden, yeah, they kind of go into these archetypal personalities that are constellated against each other. Yeah, and I think another another that you, we didn't spend too much time on, but that very much exists still in that dynamic we're describing is the villain. We're in villain when we are blaming ourselves or blaming others. And when I'm in victim mode and the hero doesn't want to listen to how I'm doing, I very quickly shift to the villain and I want to blame you for not, li and I want to blame the hero for not listening. And then the hero is also, as he's trying to help the victim, he's also trying to blame the victim after a while because he's not getting to what he wants to get to. So it's like, it's a kind of a, it's a really interesting uh, triangle to work with on like in relationships, but also with ourselves all the time. The last thing I wanted to say is when you do try to reframe my narrative. So there's this first things that first thing that happens, which is that, that feeling part of me that is not doing well, wants to exist and is going to exist in, in the so, way that... So she gets stronger yes, and louder. And it gets fed, you know, by yeah. the... Yeah. And, and at the same time, when I hear the counter narrative, there is also something else that happens in my mind, which is, well, it's like, how stupid does he think I am that he's telling me this? Does he think that I'm not aware of this? You know, it's like, for instance, one of the story that I was telling myself that evening was everyone is is like on their path and doing and living from their highest purpose and moving in the direction they need to be. And I'm just sitting on like sitting on the side and just not doing what I need to be doing to you know, live from my calling. And and you, your first reaction was like, well, uh, this is happening and this person's doing that. And this Basically, person I started trying to fight windmills. Yes, <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. And I was like, that first reaction for me is like just pure anger because it, it really feels like there is no trust in the fact that, wow, this part of me is very activated and very uh, feeling lots of things and wanting to be heard in her pain and wanting to play victim, that the higher self that I am, the bigger me that encompasses all those parts of me that are always living. This is, I think, a concept derivative from uh, IFS, which is internal family system. It's a, it's a psychology uh, like method framework. framework. And there's no trust in my higher self. It's like all of a sudden I am... I am diminished to only be that part of me that is actually just a very small part of me that's just being very loud right now. But I'm diminished to become just that person as if all of a sudden I have forgotten that, yes, there is another reality of the world. But right now, this is the only, only one I can see. You know, it's like it's like being in a cave and thinking that because that person's in a cave, they've forgotten that outside the sun is shining and there are there is grass on the floor. It's like, I've been there. I remember. I know that when I'm coming out of the cave, it's going to still be there. But it's like that that feeling of like really being disempowered and, and, and not trusted that I hear when the narrative is trying. It's like, how stupid does he think I am? Like, I've thought about these things. And, and I think there's something else that shows up in our personal dynamic, which is that you're coming at me on a feeling plane mm. and I'm responding on a thinking plane. Yes. And those are opposed. Yes. Like, they're different places. Mm -hmm. And if you're, to the degree you're thinking, you're probably not feeling because yeah. you actually need to separate yourself from your feelings to think, to use that process. Mm -hmm. And the same with the feeling function. To some degree, you have to separate yourself from thinking. And so these are kind of opposed uh, ways of, of judging. Mm -hmm. And so when you come with me like, hey, I'm feeling these things, that's a different world.
And when I respond by like, hey, well, I think you like that's just we're just totally it's like we're just totally missing. Yeah, there. totally. And not and it gets even a little bit worse because we know your psychological type and my psychological type, and we won't go too far into this, but it's worth mentioning in our in our particular case that your inferior function, this so this goes into functional stack theory and in, in the MBTI, but basically Thinking is very low on my abilities. Yeah, like so you the get thinking function is very well, low. Well, it's the least consciously available for you, Good. but it's still your yeah. And but the the thing I'd like to say about that is that the inferior function is often how we get triggered. So if you're already in a sensitive, rough place, and I'm coming in with like a thinking uh, kind of function, like trying to reframe my narrative from a rational yeah, or, point or, of view, or trying to like yeah, exactly, or trying to do calculus, or or you know like kind of explain why it's not like that, or like look at all the things you know uh, in a rational way, yeah. in a mental way. Well, that actually is not only missing, yeah. uh, like it's also aggravating because it's triggering you more because you you have this inferior constellation where like these kind of like thinking things, especially when you're not doing well, yes. actually cause you to go further in the hole, further in the cave. Very much. That's a little bit of uh, the Myers-Briggs typology there, but That's it's really right. helpful for us to... It's helpful for us to understand what happens when things go south really quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and that's really what happened. And it actually, that particular evening, things degraded really fast. It went actually, like, the whole process went really fast. It degraded really fast. And we got to this place where we polarize each other, where, like, I'm embodying one thing and you're embodying the other, and there's no more nuance. And at, at this point, we're just trying, like, it's just two realities clashing. Yes. And we're we're not listening to the other person. Yes. And we're just, you know, you know that feeling when you, you've almost been pushed into taking a certain stance. Yes. And because the other person can't hear it or won't hear it or is actively trying to change it you have to dig in even though you never really wanted to take that stance in the first place but it's just because it's not being observed it's not being recognized they have to fight harder for it and this is polarization right yes, yes. something else is happening here too on my side which is that mr fix it has been pouring energy into trying to change your your reality or your not only that but really what he's trying to do is he's trying to keep it at bay He's yes. trying, he's doing all these things to try to keep your energy from like affecting him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's kind of have this force field out, right? And yeah. as things get more polarized through his own kind of behavior, it takes more and more energy to keep it at bay. Mm -hmm. And and we both get more and more constellated. We're opposing more and more. There's more pressure going on, more and more energy. And at some point, you just run, you get drained. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're you lose, you've lost all this energy and you've poured it into like this poor kind of strategy, mm -hmm. right? That is not going to result in what you want. It's actually exacerbating the problem. And you end in a point where you kind of crack, you're drained, you're tired. Yeah. And, uh, then and that's when, that's usually, yep. I know this has happened because this is when Alistair actually just like snaps and, and kind of yells, which he very rarely does. But just like, I say something and then he just like, <laughs> and then like, I'm like, okay, we've reached that point in the conversation. That actually was the turning point on this one. I was like, oh no, we're here again. Okay. All right. Let's kind of backtrack and backpedaling. And, and I think another point, another thing I want to mention that I think we both realized when we were like processing what had happened is there is this part of you 
when I am feeling bad, when I am having doubts, when I'm, which happens a lot because my psychological type tends to do that a lot. That's just, that's just who I am. And I'm trying not to identify to, to it too much, but I still, it still needs to be expressed most of the time. And I try to not express it most of the time because it doesn't really, I don't need to always express it, but sometimes it's kind of hard for me to differentiate between, oh, is this just like a stupid drama I'm creating and I can just wait it out and it will be over? Or is it an actual sign from my intuition that I need to pay attention to? And so it's always hard to differentiate between the two. And when I do bring it over to you, I feel like even though you're the person that often tells me like, just don't identify with it. Bring mindfulness to it. Like, what do we learn in meditation? Just like observe it and let it go. You oftentimes get very, get very attached to the stories and the things I'm saying, and you project them into the future as if we had already acted on my doubts and my feelings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I tend to get fooled like by, by your, your emotions are very strong. Yeah. They're very convincing in the moment. And it's like, you know, it's the same experience, except for it's for the other person. So it's like when you have a, when you're under like some emotions, right? Like you don't see the world clearly. Well, when, when I see you under those emotions and they're very compelling, it also affects me. And so, so like it kind of warps my perspective and it makes me more unsure about, you know, if you say things that are counter to whatever we might've planned or whatever, like, it kind of rocks the boat and I'm like less sure. Yeah. And so like I start hearing you say things in in the middle of like kind of an emotional moment where you're kind of doubting and you're or whatever, you're having trouble. And uh, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, that means this and this and this and this. And then, yeah, I extend it into the future and I'm seeing like, you know, I'm looking at our plans crum- come crumbling down, you know, <laughs> under the course of a night. Uh, There's an element of like losing control. If you actually stop and really listen to my feelings, there is that fear of, well, if I do that, then we're going to act from those feelings and then I'm going to lose control over all the plans that we had said we would yeah, do. Yeah, there's a big, I think one of the hard things from my side is letting go of that desire to control these situations, to mm. control your feelings, to kind of control your reality and, and like kind of trusting that it will be better if you're able to experience them. I think one thing I woke up after this particular conversation and it wasn't like we were really, it, it was passionate, but we kind of also knew what was happening, yeah. but we also couldn't really totally get out of sure. it. So like we weren't throwing like, ad hominem kind of insults at each other or anything. Yeah, it didn't get personal, but yeah. it, it was just heated around the topic. And at the end, it was like, okay, we're tired. Let's go to bed. Yes. In the morning, we talked it, talked it through, and, and, and that was helpful. I was reading some poetry by, well, prose, actually, but by the poet David White. Uh, it's in a book called the, the Three Marriages. And he's actually talking about work. And I'm going to quote it because this is what led to like a realization that my better self knows, but that I had forgotten the night before. And so it was a nice reminder. He's he's talking about work here. And he said, uh, Dear Day, that's a person, saw her depression as a thing in itself, like a mountain or a cloud with its own life, its own necessities, and therefore worthy of respect, more like a doorway than an obstacle. 
It was a path to follow, not an error she had made that she should eliminate. And that's when I kind of, that like kind of woke me up a little bit. It's like, man, like it made me realize that I had just been operating, Mr. Fix-It had been operating from assumption the whole time of this is something to eliminate. This is something to get rid of. Just that assumption that it didn't, it, it wasn't worthwhile or, or it should be removed mm-hmm. without ever really considering the fact that that, that the, whatever you were experiencing had value, meaning, purpose for you or, or for us. It was just automatically, no, let's get rid of that. Yeah. It was, and that's like, there was an unconscious response, right? And the whole day was kind of like a building of an unconscious behavior and unconscious patterns. Yeah. And it just made me realize it's like, how, who am I to decide someone else's emotions if, if they have value or, or if they should be there or not? That's not my place at all. And, and perhaps, perhaps it does, but it's not mine to decide. And just realizing like kind of how crazy it is to just act from that assumption so immediately. Yeah, I I really like that quote. You read it to me the following day and, and I completely resonate with this. Like, I feel like I'm really trying to get to a place where I'm, I have a relationship with this depression that just kind of exists with me next to me in me wherever it is but and it it has value I have found that every time that I go through a period of darkness I come out on the other side with so much more answers so much so much growth you know like so much understanding of who I am and what I meant to do here even more frustrating that I know that for myself as well yeah I have a harder time in, in and the, I was going to actually say, like, we were discussing this the following day, and you are actually really gifted at giving space to your clients when they express similar things. And for some reason, <laughs> your wife, that's just, I can't do that. That's too dangerous. Because I get to leave my clients after an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is something I wanted to point out. And I think this, and this is not going to be a judgment because we, we all do that. But I think a lot of people don't even realize this is like, when we're trying to fix someone's problem, this is not about us being altruistic and wanting to do what's best for them and wanting them to feel better. We only want them to feel better because we want us to feel better when we're around them. Well, and that's it's exactly what was really, happening the day before. Yeah, and it's a really, really, and it's not a bad thing. I think this, the word I'm going to say is very like connotated in, in the US or in the English speaking realm or anything, but it is very selfish. It's very self-motivated. I only want you to feel better so that I can feel better. Hey, yeah, and a depressed person to... picks up on that immediately. Completely, yeah. completely. And I think I think something else you said earlier that really uh, kind of brought an image to me is like, if I think of this part of me that was showing up that night as just the part of me that's more connected to my depression than other parts. Okay, so like, it's just, this is kind of the part of me that embodies my depression whenever it's important that I do. And, and then it's like, it it comes up, it wants to be heard, it's not heard, and then it turns into a fucking tornado and a hurricane that wants to destroy everything on its path. And you said rock the boat. You said, like, you don't feel good because it feels like it's rocking the boat. That's exactly why it feels like that, because it's not being heard. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, he doesn't want to listen to us. 
all right, bring it on, you know? And then it turns into this, like, the elf, the wood elf in uh, in Lord of the Rings that yeah, like, just gets, like, I the can't dark. remember her name's, like, I, Gwen, it's not Guinevere. I want it's to the one played by Kate Blanchett. It's and where Frodo just, goes to, like, give her the ring for a second, and yeah. then she's like, you would have a dark sorceress instead of <laughs> yeah. a sorcerer, and she gets, like, terrifying. Yes, and it's like, yes. oh. And, the, and that's, I don't think I ever actually come out that way because I'm I I have restraints but inside of me this is how it feels I feel it well up and I feel the anger of like oh you're not willing to listen are you and really, then it just really all this energy wants or at least a lot of the time what it seems to want is to be seen and to be really heard and it's funny because you were even telling me that last the other night when like we were in the heat of it and it got to a point the thing is that like Mr. Fix-It spends more and more energy and he just doubles down even though it's a losing every every bet he does is a loss you know right like it's not working and he's like no just more just need to do more and and you just drain yourself of energy and you get into a place where like you're going to be as bad as them in this you know and what they need is a healthy person that can hold space not someone who's like just as like kind of off the deep end is them, like, right? Like, that's where things get really bad. So, but he's just betting more and more energy until he hits the energy cliff and he just falls off of it, right? And that's, and that's what happened that night. And so at the end of the night, you're like, look, I know this is a story. I need you to hear it. Can you tell me? And I had spent so much energy resisting it and fighting it that I just told you, like, I don't want to feel that tonight. I can't connect to that. I cannot feel it. And I, and we went to bed like that, like not in a place, like I think you understood it wasn't a sure. place of animosity, but it was just like I had spent all my energy on the wrong thing, really, uh, that like I didn't have the energy to kind of hold that space or connect. And that would have been such a better, such a better strategy from the beginning. Yes, because that is something I can hear. Like, I feel like the only reason why it, it took this proportion is because my depression side, I, we have to come up with a name for her, but I don't know. And she just kept trying to be heard and feeling resistance and resistance and resistance when if from the, and at the end, you just, I, I just said like, dude, I just want to be heard. I just want, here's the story. Here's the feeling. And, and here's how intensely I'm feeling. I'm terrified that I'm not going to live my purpose. And I'm just getting very agitated that maybe I'm not doing what I need to do to be living my purpose, this kind of like thing. And I, know you've gone through like similar things like emotions and that you still do to some extent and I just felt like baffled by the fact that you couldn't connect all I needed was to get the the empathy of like I've been there I hear how you're feeling and a heartfelt that would have cut the discussion to a five minute conversation it would have probably I would have cried it would have been great I ended up crying but it was like not as satisfying (laughs) it was like tears of like anger and frustration of not being heard and at the end you were like you know I can't give you this right now and I saw in your eyes you were drained of energy you had tried an approach that ended up not being the right one and I could totally hear that I could I from my state my higher self my like bigger self was still present and was able to see like okay yeah I hear that you cannot give me this right now and that is totally fine but at least it's like I know why I'm not receiving what I want instead of feeling, in, you know, it, it, it felt like a release of arms that like we didn't, we weren't fighting anymore, fighting anymore. The weapons were down 
and 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 all this is from more of an energetical feeling as you said we were never like actually you know insulting and yeah, yelling yeah. at each other but it just feels like the energies are just and because we're both like pretty smart and articulate we can go so far into that rabbit hole without ever actually yelling or or you know getting really pissed off at each yeah. other like verbally but we will like take alleyways and, and and the mind will weave all sorts of stories or pick any kind of facts to like kind of strengthen its position yes. and what you realize is underneath there's an energy that wants to be seen recognized heard or expressed or whatever yeah and like that's really what's happening and all this all this mental chatter is really just a sideshow it's just kind of how it's expressing itself but it'll quickly morph and shift which is so frustrating that the yes. person trying to knock down all the gopher heads yes. you know and like that kind of game yeah the whack-a-mole exactly you're trying to whack all the moles and they keep popping up and you're like this person is completely irrational yes yes this person is <laughs> not thinking on a rational level and you keep you're just as irrational for trying to rationally like like work on it and it's just it's a ridiculous thing and it basically all it, it starts from this unconscious place on on kind of both sides yeah and it just polarizes it to a point where all our energy gets sucked into it. And yeah. it's exhausting. And luckily, I think we're aware enough that that we see that and we don't do... Because there's another step here that we have never really crossed this threshold in a serious way. But that's where it could go personal, right? Oh, like yeah. that's, that's where like the nuclear warheads could get launched. Is like after you both run out of energy, you've been going at this for hours, like voices get raised... And then, like, it goes into, well, and then you bring something up from the past yeah. or you say something oh, personal yeah. you can't take back so easily. That's and, so... And it never, it's never gone there for us mm -hmm. because I think we're very aware of that. And we're aware of the energy thing that's happening. And yeah. that that's really... We're, to some degree, we're able to not identify with exactly what we're talking about. We know yes. we're working with energy. We're not quite so versed in it that we, we avoid some of this other crap, yes. this circus. But... But we have some awareness of it, but it could easily go and I would guess usually does or or has a good chance of doing this. And I'm sure it's wrecked more than one relationship where this particular pattern gets to that point and then the gloves come off. Someone and this says is, something they this regret. is actually and as you said, this is not something we've experienced. And I don't I don't really know if this is something I've ever really experienced with previous partners and so I feel like I want to knock on wood on this but this is usually the moments where because we know each other really well we have so much ammunition to really hurt the other person and this is the this is usually the moments you see in those movies like well after all you're just like your fucking mother you yeah, know and it's that it's one like, thing oh, where everyone's like oh uh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh no he didn't uh, oh no bridge oh, no. burn yeah and then and then oh my god coming back from this like this is like a real breach of trust and to some extent I can understand because I feel I have felt on both sides how intense those energies are and how much they just want to I feel how that depression when it really isn't hurt wants to end up destroying this happened to us and maybe we won't have time to get too much into this also because it's too long a story and it happened a few months ago now but December was a really rough month for me. Really, really rough month. And it was also hard. Even rougher than a normal month for INFPs. <laughs> Just saying. 
It, well, I think that's like a private joke that only MBTI people understand, yeah. but you got us. Yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, that's for, yeah. It was it was it was really 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 hard, and uh, like weeks of of being in the cave and not knowing if I'm gonna ever come out of it, kind of kind of hard. And and so this can happen over the course of like weeks too, right? Yes. Like the Mister Fix It thing, you can be going like. Yes. You know, doing it for weeks. Yes. And so it can, and then that can be more of an energy crisis, yes. right? Like of a different level. And because there is like, I think I mentioned this earlier, but there is a deep thing that I think needs to be said here is that there's also a basic trust in our, in the innate intelligence of our emotional systems that we, a lot of us don't have. And that I'm going to say, Women in particular are not taught to have trust in like their guidance and their inner, because as a culture, as a society, for centuries now, and if you look enough, like far back, you don't back, have to look far will... back. When we when do we stop using the word hysterical? Yeah, I mean that's only a couple decades that's, old that yeah. we stopped calling women hysterical. Yeah, and I mean it's it, it, in certain circles it's still happening, but it's it's there is just a. There is a profound mistrust of women and everything that they can contribute from their own intuition and guidance. And I think some people are trying to change that. And I think we're on the we're we're starting to go on the other side of it. But it is still a very, very true thing. And so it starts with myself because it really only has been for the last maybe six or seven months that I'm starting to tap into having trust in my own guidance, even though it shows up as ways that maybe are not recognized as like good ways for your guidance to show up. And I think for me, it shows up a lot through depression. It shows up a lot through feelings, feelings and doubts. And and, And I think this is another way you can look at the same thing you're talking about, which is, which I do think there's definitely this female male thing going on, but uh, it's also, we live in a very thinking society. And there is a pretty profound distrust for feelings, whether it's men or women, right? And the feeling type, uh, which is like, if you think about it, there's thinking and feeling, and one of those functions is going to be stronger than the other in every person. And generally, it's true for women that the feeling function is stronger. Mm -hmm. And generally, at least in America, and generally it's true for men that the thinking function is stronger. That seems to be, those are correlations that like statistically are valid. Yeah. So, so women tend to be feelers, men tend to be thinkers, although it is plenty, like it happens plenty often that that's reversed. Mm-hmm. So there's also something happening here. I think you can look at through the kind of typology lens here is that we are a very heavily thinking society. We put a lot of value on rational And we put a lot of will. distrust on feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Because that function, if it's if it's overvalued, is going to have distrust on the other one because it's this sure. polar opposite. Sure. So in that way, I think this is also something where we live in a very culture saturated in thinking and we distrust feeling. Yeah. And feelings got kind of the, it's kind of got a, a bad rap. Yeah. Uh, but this is also a source of intelligence. It is a different source. In fact, but, you know, Carl Jung also called it a rational form of judgment, not irrational. Yeah. It's not, there's something different between feeling and emotion. It's, that's nuanced. We won't get into it. But feeling is a form of judgment. And it's as valid as thinking. It takes a different route. Yeah, and 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 so I think like to go back to that deep distrust that we all, as women, carry as feelers carry in ourselves. There is that deep distrust, and it has to start with me. 
I have to start trusting that internal compass first before I can bring it over to you. And I think this is one of the reasons why this can sometimes go for weeks on end where Mr. Fixit comes up and kind of shuts down the process because it's already playing on a very, on a terrain where I feel unsure if I should trust my depression and my the feelings that are coming up or not. And so when someone like you who has like a thinking uh, function that is really extroverted and well-rounded and you speak clearly and you're rational and that's very valued in our society. When you come to me and I'm like, in a, I'm trying to say things in a way that sound is hysterical or very overly dramatic or like, at least those are the words that I hear in myself and that I judge myself to be sometimes then it's easy for me to be like, all right, just stuff it down. Don't listen to it and listen to the Mr. Fix-It because he's the rational guy and he knows. So then it's, it takes a lot of effort for me to actually be like, no, I trust my internal compass and it's different than yours and it has value and it needs to exist. So let it be, please. But if I'm not the one to do that for myself first, if I don't battle my own Mr. Fix-It, that I have in myself first, then I can't, like, we can't get to this place where there is space for me to be heard because I have to be heard in myself first, if that really makes any sense. And there's a story that comes up every time I'm in these situations where I try to express feelings of depression and they're like shut down right from the, from the get go is it was the very beginning of my relationship with my previous partner that I was with for four years. We were, he was 10 years older than me. And I was like, I think I was 20 and we were at a cafe and I started, I told him it was the, the early days. And so I was telling him like, yeah, I mean, I do have a pretty strong history with depression and I'm, it kind of comes and goes and I'm like, um, yeah, it's it's always been difficult for me. And so I'm not sure how that will show up in our relationship because we were like in it for the long haul. And uh, and I remember he just looked at me and he was like, oh, I won't let that happen. Like he re and he was serious. He was like, if you get depressed, I won't let that happen. And I know I know the backstory and I know that he had a partner who was extremely depressed and it weighed heavily on his life and all that. I know the effect it can have. But that is like, I, I say this story and it's still like kind of knocks the wind out of me for a minute because it's like, whoa, there's basically this entire part of me that is like part of my internal compass that is not being accepted. So in it's basically like waging war on feelings. Yes. Right there. Yes. And I think something worth saying here is that this has also been helpful for me to the, uh, as like you approach life in a more feeling way, while this can create some tension, it's also really, really helpful. I learn a lot from it. And also, I think it helps us see different things mm -hmm. as well. So there's, it's really valuable for me to also like learn to make more space for it, communicate with you around this and, and not just close the door on it and try to have like basically a dictatorship, yeah. right? Like where it's like, no, we're just going to, operate from the rational here or yeah. that's not a good way to put it uh, we're just going to operate from thinking here or you know or from what you know yeah basically yeah. we're yeah. and it's actually been very enriching to 
open the door and let that be part of the conversation. And I think this is something we're still working on because like you said, it starts with you and like working more to give space to your feelings, trust that they have purpose and recognize that they have value for being there and like they can be there. And that's, and I, this all strikes me as being like, you know, kind of mindfulness 101, but it's just in almost in a different direction. So it's like sometimes a little hard to see because usually in mindfulness, you know, you're taught to observe the thoughts of your mind and don't identify with them and think about them kind of like clouds passing through the sky of awareness, right? Mm-hmm. All this. Well, for some reason, it's not so obvious when it becomes you with these thoughts and emotions. Yeah. All of a sudden, those are like things I identify with or and, and when we when we combat them, we're identifying with them. Sure. Um, there's energy being invested in and because because there's energy that makes it stronger it's not just because there's a need for defense it's also because you're basically putting a lot of stock into what's being said so that it becomes stronger yeah so it's kind of the opposite of mindfulness though (laughs) i'm like what i should be doing is have a healthy distance from them right like they're not mine i don't need to take them on yeah and let them play themselves out and We've seen this happen. We've seen, we've, so we've had breakthroughs Mm -hmm. um, with some of these conversations. One that went on for like a month and that really was like a pretty powerful breakthrough when it happened. But it's basically like all of a sudden, instead of like two forces pushing each other, they just kind of, I don't know, like the door opens and they can both like enter. and And they can both coexist too, because I think what happens when those feelings are heard is that in return, I can also hear why they're hard to hear. You know, like because there's another side. If I'm pushing against them, I have my own fears and things that you're 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 kind of resisting resisting as well. And so there's this thing that happens and I feel it and I feel it. It's a different consciousness. It's mm-hmm. a different state where like I'm not attached to things and all of a sudden it's safe to share and you can share and I can listen and I don't have to react. I don't have to respond. Yeah, It's just okay for you to share and I can share too. And there's a relief that happens on both sides, not only by expressing what what, what has not been heard or what we haven't felt has been safe to say, but there's a relief in hearing the other person being vulnerable and opening up and sharing, right? Sure. Like all of a sudden, like the floodgates open and there's like this healing bomb that mm-hmm. happens. Yes. And you can, all of a sudden you have compassion. You can actually feel like, oh man, that must be scary too. And you can see how that like kind of relates Mm-hmm. To what what's going on with you and you and like you have a bigger perspective basically and you're not identified to the position you're taking. It is a position. It's one you're experiencing, and there is another position over there. But they lose their their energy or their power because they're no longer battling each other for existence. It isn't a war of reality. No one's trying to press their agenda on the other person. It's like we finally get to a point, which seems really common sense, but like in the during when this buildup happens, like you lose it totally, which is like these okay, we both have different realities. And like it's not fair for me to press my reality onto you. And it's and it's not really fair for you to press your reality onto me. But like and recognizing like, all right, we're both experiencing different things. And that's a place where an actual a bridge can happen, where like an actual conversation can take place. Yeah. The energy dissipates. There's relief, like a very physical sense of relief, as yeah. well as mental. We're able to just observe 
the beliefs, the stories, like we're almost able to like stand above them and just look down. And like, it becomes oh, look almost at that. funny. We can or, be, you know, yeah, like, there's a sense of humor that returns. Yes. There's a sense of curiosity that returns. All this stuff. And this allows perspective taking, right? Because now I can take your perspective because it doesn't mean it doesn't negate mine, mm-hmm. right? And vice versa. And, and so there's no threat. So it's okay. Yeah. I can take the armor off here. And, like, and that allows me to, to share more of my inner reality. And this is where like healing happens, where we get on the same page in a real way. Because up to this point, we're not. And this is where that like actual dialogue, that actual conversation happens that actually can can permeate each mm-hmm. other and can actually influence each other. But it's not in a control way, which is what I, like, been, Mr. Fix-It has yeah. been struggling with the whole time. You're not trying to control it. There's an openness to it where it's like you, you're not invested in the outcome or the result or how it's going to change. You are just sharing or just being curious and then things actually do change. Yes. It's it's like this uh, funny kind of catch twenty two is you have to, and but you don't have control of how it's going to change. But often it changes in a in a much better way. And we've made when this happens, I, I we're working to a point I think where we can identify this sooner and avoid the energy traps yeah. and all that that happens and get here faster because it's such a pleasant place to be. And and also, this is where major progress happens. It's where the conversations we're having, these thorny issues, like, that can be difficult. Like we said earlier, you know, like... Work, the future, kids, kids, like, like those things. uh, These things that are uh, the super sensitive things in any relationship. The thing is that you can't talk about these things when your nervous system is activated. And your nervous system is always going to be activated when you're in the position of battle and of either or. It's either my view or your view. When you get to that point where the gates open and you actually are able to really listen and empathize and have compassion without being overtaken, that is when when you shift into a paradigm of it can be that and that and then all of a sudden both sides are allowed invited if they like to change yes they can change their position because they're not defending it anymore and so there isn't there isn't this identity in it where you so now now you can say oh you know you kind of do have a good point there or or like or that makes that makes sense i hadn't thought about that way or at least you get to have the conversation and fill in the gaps that each position isn't looking at right and and it moves it forward or it moves you two forward. It moves you closer. And it, there's this sense that it's like, okay, when that happens, I feel it with you. It's like, okay, we're closer. I, we're not in the same place, but the future we're looking at is more focused. Yes. It's not such a double vision. Yes. And, you know what I mean? And I have that sense in a very strong way. And that feeling is powerful. And it permeates into the rest of our life, right? When you... Because when you don't feel in line or like kind of going in aligned, aligned with your with your partner, that's distressing, right? Yes. That's highly stressful. Yeah. And and concerning. And then these positions like they bubble up more often mm-hmm. because you you have a sense, at least an unconscious sense, that that you're not on the same page yes. and you want to change that, but you you do it in unconscious ways, which, is what which makes it December. even worse. And yeah. then it polarizes and you actually get the the opposite of what you want. And it's super powerful and it's such a noticeable difference. Yeah. And I don't I don't think I want to say that it's easy. It's not easy to get to that point. It's like I'm trying to think like what are some tips or what are some ways to get to that? And I think actually just really taking each new 
situation that arises like this as a new situation that like it's not because we've realized this on a rational on a mind way that like it's gonna be done you know like okay we fixed it now we're like always gonna listen and give space because we're continually having to ask ourselves when resistance shows up in us it's a great opportunity to work on that and be like okay why is there resistance here what am I afraid of and give ourselves between me and me more compassion more love more of the things that I'm turning to you for that sometimes you're not able to give and that's also fine and like having giving that space just it doesn't always even have to be two person doing it at the same time my experience has been that it's usually one person starts and then the other person follows and I do feel like at the end of the day it's a very personal attitude that like if I want to be heard and if I want to be able to to express things with you I have to hear you and I have to hear me also, because I can't be just looking to you for space and, and, and spaciousness and, and love w- around these issues if I'm not willing to give it to myself. Yeah, it's like it, the place to start with this is inside, right? Yes. Because we all have these voices going on inside of us. Yes. And so you practice it there. And I think the more you versed and aware you get with it there, the more you can kind of bring it into a relationship with two, which is two minds instead of one. And we all know how messed up even just one mind can be. <laughs> But And I think the only, like, real tip is bringing awareness to these patterns is useful. But we have to recognize that when we play them out, we've lost consciousness. We take a massive di- sure. dip in consciousness because these are unconscious patterns. Mm-hmm. So once you look at them, it's like, oh, obvious. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense on a rational level. It won't do that again. No, <laughs> it's still going to happen because it happens when we dip down into a more unconscious way of being mm-hmm. and these things grip us mm-hmm. they they have a life of their own and and they come at us from different angles so you get taken off guard you don't it's not going to come at you the same way it came last time it'll, yeah. it'll manifest in a slightly different way but it'll be the same energy underneath or the same unconsciousness underneath so i think bringing some having some awareness of this pattern being able to see it to some degree is helpful if only because you can catch yourself faster when you're in it. Yes. It's not like you're not going to be in it, at least not, I'm not a yogi, I'm not that, not that advanced. Yeah, but, yeah. But I do think that when I become more aware of this, when we bring, when we bring words to it, when we're able to describe it and diagnose it and just dissect it as partners. Yeah. Um, it does lose some of its energy. And I feel like what we're able to do in those moments where we catch ourselves is just being like, all right, let's stop. Yeah, let's stop. Yeah. Let's just let's cut rest. it right here. Let's rest. Let's just say to each other, we love each other. There is no hard feelings. We're all good. We're going to need to take a rest on this and just be by ourselves. And and not even, it's not even like continuing to think on it. It's actually sort of letting it go. Just recognizing you're, you're both kind of in a bad space with yes. it. And like, you're not going to solve that yes. from where you're at. Yeah, you need the like rest. You need of, some time. You're almost drunk off that, that energy. Yeah. And you so you just, you got you to gotta sober up before you're able to talk. And so it's funny because... I feel like I've heard this quite a bit before we got married. I heard the advice coming from people like, don't go to bed angry. And I feel like that can be misinterpreted by um, try to hash out every little detail of your of your argument before you go to bed. And like, hell no, 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 no. That's not the best way to do it for us. We need to just recognize we're in a we're in a trap. Let's stop. Let's rest. We'll circle back another time. And I think it's fine to go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry at the other person, maybe. Yeah. Like, like yeah. if 
you don't you don't want to get into a big feud and then sure. just like sleep on it. But having some anger and going to bed might be the best way to deal with that. Yeah. It might because it doesn't need to be like sort of sorted out. Mm-hmm. And just that tip of walking away from it, where where things are like, hey, we're just gonna come, we're not giving it up. We're just gonna come back to it when yeah, you and it's I like, both. Hey, had, we're not in a good place for it. Yeah, Let's can save so much energy, so much time. So much. The last thing I'll say to wrap up is I feel like on a deeper level, what happens when we give space and when we allow both views, both realities to coexist together and that it's not a threat to my reality if your reality also exists, is we fall into a relationship paradigm where we can both be in our power and we can both exist with our strengths and our weaknesses and all of it is valued and, and, and it's respected. And I feel like what a powerful way to be in partnership with someone in, in this life than feeling like both of our powers are respected and valued. And thank you for listening. That's all folks. That's all. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> Well, it, that was a fun conversation. That was fun. And, and if you want more, if you want more, if you want more, we're actually yeah. We, if you want more, maybe you should have your head examined. But <laughs> what? <laughs> That's weird. All right, I'm just kidding. But if you want more, we are actually going to talk about this probably in a little bit more concrete details using some of the actual conversations yes. we've had. We're going to do some videos on this or a video on this for Patreon members. Yes. So if you want more, you can sign up. The lowest level of support is just $3 a month. And you get access to all the exclusive content. There's a lot of goodies from before about money and about managing our time and energy. Mm -hmm. Some really good stuff in there. And this month, it'll be about communicating and relationship. Yes. And it will be a lot more raw and detailed than we can get here. Yeah, it'll be a bit more intimate, a little bit more personal. Yeah. uh, That's what we do for our Patreon So if you're a little bit voyeuristic like we are, head on over. Yeah. It's patreon.com slash the far out couple. And if you'd like to support the podcast in non-financial ways, there's two other great ways you can do that. Mm -hmm. One is to share it with friends. Anyone that you think would benefit from this conversation, help us get to more people if uh, you share on instagram tag us at the far out couple it's it just lights up our day yeah and we'll reshare it on our stories and the other one is leave us a review we always love to hear what people are saying and thinking about the show and also it helps us get found by others and uh so we'd really appreciate that yes well thank you so much t to the double o d l e s toodles toodles <laughs> <laughs>